And I was just looking at that uh, testimony and uh, it, just, it just sums up what church is about. Uh, it has answers and, uh, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and I want you to be a part of that. And it's like, it's really important that we understand the power of church. He said, I will build my church. And the reason he built his church is that he was going, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to bring the good news of his death and resurrection to the world around us. And that death and resurrection gives us the power, the believer, to bring healing and hope and future to people generation after generation. So uh, it's a powerful thing to understand. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said, pray like this, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you understand that, Jesus is saying this. He says, what we need on planet earth is my kingdom. And understand what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is twofold. It's the power of the king and the community of the king. The power of the king. So when he says, my kingdom come, he's saying, I want my power to bring restoration, hope and healing to people, but also want my community. And that's what the church is about. It's about doing life God's way. And uh, be assured, as I look around the world today, people do not have answers. I want to tell you that uh, for as long as history goes back, people have been fighting each other, hating each other, killing each other, can't get on with one another. And I want to tell you, our only answer is Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that can change the heart of a human being to bring peace and future into them. And that's what the church is about. And uh, there's something else about the church you need to know is that everything in the kingdom is not just about me or just about you. Everything in God is about me and somebody else. It's about you and somebody else. So even that we understand the, the, uh, the concept of being blessed to be a blessing, but even when you get healed by God, it's not just for you. It's that your testimony can bring healing to somebody else. And even your salvation wasn't just to get you to heaven. Man, it's not as though God we get saved and we automatically just go to heaven. He doesn't, he said, it's not that. He says, I don't want you to die for the cause. I want you to live for the cause because it's not just about you. It's about you and somebody else. Jesus never said, go and make decisions of all nations. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. The difference is a decision gets you and me to heaven. A disciple helps somebody else get there. And that's what the church is about. And once we understand that, we understand we're a part of a big team. And uh, we've all got our part to play. It's not just one person or two people or three people. We've all got our spot to play. And once we see that, we understand that we, can, we need to bring something to the table that God has given to us to help somebody else's life be much, much better. So this morning I want to speak to you uh, on the subject of to be or not to be. That is the question. To be or not to be. Let's start with looking at the book of Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35, then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in this, all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved. So, isn't that interesting that he said he went around healing all the sick and he did all those things and yet he saw the multitudes. In other words, he was not enough to bring healing to the world. Not in, his, in his form as a, a human being, he could only do so much. So he looked and he said, man, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them there because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
So a couple of things, Jesus decides, well, he doesn't decide, he already knew that he couldn't do all that he needed to do. What he needed to do was die, get resurrected from the dead. That gave the, uh, the, the ability to change the spirit world that you and I could become saved and born again and spend eternity with God. He knew it wasn't enough. So he said, now I must go that he, the Holy Spirit must come. And the Holy Spirit came, why? To fill us with the power to outwork the plans and purposes of God. So that's why the Holy Spirit came to empower us to do the will of the Father. And I, you know, I reckon if Jesus came back today, He would say the same things. He, he would say, you know what? People are weary. They're scattered. They're like people without a shepherd. And He's saying to you and I, we need to get involved in doing what He called us to do. It, it interests me that he, he, he doesn't even say, let's pray for the uh, harvest. He says, the harvest is truly plentiful. He says, pray for the labourers. So there's a different context here where we're thinking, God, we're praying for the harvest and we need to pray for people to get saved and to know Jesus. But beyond that, he's saying, hey, the issue is not the harvest, the issue is the labourer. To be or not to be, that is the question. And yeah, you know, we pray, come in, but do we ever pray, Lord, send me out? <laughs> Give me opportunity to share the gospel. Give me opportunity. We pray like that. And unfortunately, the reason we're not seeing the harvest at its biggest is because we're still looking at, Lord, bring them in. And He's saying, no, you go out, then they will come in. It seems from Jesus' Jesus's perspective, the harvest is not the issue. It is truly plentiful. And I want to tell you, right across the city, right across northern Colorado, right across America, Australia and the world, there are millions of people waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We live in an era where there's hopelessness, there's fear, because we've got wars and rumours of wars, we've got the world going crazy, what was once good is now evil, what was evil is now good. And people, are, they're unsettled by it all. And now is the greatest time for the church to stand up, be bold in who we are, and let them know about the wonder of Jesus. We need, we need to be those labourers. And labouring is not so much you have to go on a missions trip or you've got to go overseas. It's a posture of the heart. It's, a, it's an attitude of that I have something really important that I can share with somebody. Now, I want to speak to all the introverts in the room today. I am an introvert. I am not an extrovert. I'm not, I'm not walking in a room going, hey, I'm Mark, I need to tell you about Jesus. And there are a bunch of you just like that. And praise God for you all. I would love to be that person. I am not like that. My wife is that person. She walks in. She doesn't care what that room temperature is. She is here. I'm not that person. I, 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 I'm an intro. I, you know, so what I've got to do is, is change my posture to realize that even though I'm a little introverted here, I need to have an attitude of being a laborer for the kingdom of God that I need to have, see opportunity when it arises to tell people about Jesus. It's not your responsibility to get anybody saved. It's not your responsibility to get anybody to church. It's your responsibility, my responsibility, to tell people out there how wonderful Jesus is and how good your church is. Then they do what they want with that. Then the pressure's off. We just gotta tell people. That's what laboring in the harvest is. Like when I get on a, an airplane, the last thing I want is somebody talking to me. I really don't. I mean, and um, so I, I try and get my earphones on really quickly. And, uh, and, but I, I got this tension because there's a posture of my heart of being a laborer. I need to tell people about Jesus as well. So I, I, I try and gauge the room a little bit. And, and so I, I talk to some people. It's so funny because when you talk to them and they say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. Uh, a couple of things happen. They put their earphones on. 
Oh, good. Thank you. Um, or they get really interested in what's going on because they're believers or something like that. And, and, but this one time I got on a plane and as I, we were talking and, and she says, yeah, I'm so-and-so. I, I own a jewelry store on the Gold Coast, which is down near where I live. And, um, and we're talking about that. She said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And, uh, and she, she screamed at me, yelled. She said, you're one of those? I'm thinking, one of what? Well, who am I? What? What? And anyway, so she says on, she says, my son just got born again. He's joined a cult and this whole thing. And uh, she was really upset. And um, anyway, by the end of the hour and a half flight, she's crying. <laughs> she's loving Jesus. She sees hope for her son. He's a drug addict. And now it's great that God's going to bend him. And uh, that was my journey. Now, I never saw that woman again not in my whole life. But three months later, and this is what I'm telling you, this is how you be a laborer. It's not that you go out and start doing placards and signs, yelling at people on the streets. God's after fruit, not nuts. Um, <laughs> but you change the posture of your heart. You're, just, you're, you're excited about being a believer. You think you actually believe Jesus is the answer. And so you, when opportunity comes, you share. And so I'm, I'm, three months later, I get a phone call from a friend of mine who's a pastor in New Zealand. He's on vacation at the Gold Coast. And he rings me up and says, hey, Mark. He said, uh, do you know a good church down here? I said, yeah, I've got a friend. And he said, I'm in a jewelry store and I've just led the owner of the jewelry store to the Lord. Right? And, and I'm saying, that's awesome, man. And I go, hang on. I was, I was on a plane three months ago with a lady that owned a jewelry store on the Gold Coast. And this is what he says to me, ah, oh, you're that guy. <laughs> That's who you want to be known as. Ah, oh, you're that guy. You just had your part to play. See, that's being a laborer in the harvest. It's being involved in the plans and the purposes of God. And once we just change our heart, we become not bringing them in, we're going out. And now we're telling and talking and, and excited about who we are. It seems the problem to, from that scripture is not the harvest, but the laborers were too few. The harvest is white, it says. Um, or you could say really just there's a lack of believers who have got a posture of believing. They've got a posture of being saved as a decision, but not saved as a disciple. And that's the, that's the conversation of today's message, to be <laughs> or not to be. See, to get the right results, you've got to work out the real problem. I, I, I can see Jesus dealing with the real problem in that scripture. See, if your car stops and somebody says, what's the problem? And you say, it won't go. You're not really dealing with the real problem. You're dealing with the result of the problem, but not the real problem. And the guy says, the reason it won't go is you're out of gas. So the issue wasn't, it won't go. The issue was, you're out of gas. All right. So how you fix that not going problem is to put gas in your car. It seems Jesus is saying, if we fix the involvement problem, the, the harvest will be awesome. So the harvest will be all if we fix the involvement problem. To get right answers, you've got to ask right questions. A number of years ago, we had two girls from the US, um, I think they actually were from Colorado, and uh, came visit and stayed with us, and I've got a jet ski. I was taking out jet skiing down the river. It's a saltwater river to the ocean. And um, anyway, halfway down the river and the jet ski stops. And uh, I, I know some of you would think, you know, well, we'll just open up. You know, my idea of hell is lifting up a hood. 
I don't lift up hoods, I give them to somebody else, they fix them, they drive it back to me. I'm not a mechanical bone in my body. So when it stops, I, I, I said to the girls, well, jump in the water and uh, I'll open this and have a, uh, have a look. I don't know what I'm looking for, not a clue. But I'm having a look going, yeah, it's stopped, it's an engine. And they're in the water just sort of, and then one of them says, hey, Mark, is, is, is there sharks in the river? And, and, and I, I just lied. <laughs> no, no, there's no sharks. There's sharks everywhere in salt water. Understand, they don't bite you all the time, but they're always there. And I said, no, no, it's good. No, you're fine, there's no sharks. And as I said that, the biggest brown snake I've ever seen swam behind them. Like this 10, 12 foot brown snake. Just swam. I'm looking at this huge thing going behind him and I didn't tell them um, because if they panicked, they would have tipped me off the jet ski and into the water. <laughs> I told them when I got back and uh, so, but they just asked the wrong question. They asked, is there any sharks? The question should have been, is there any life-threatening animals in the river? And they would have got a better answer. The right question is being asked by Jesus, not where is the harvest, but where are the laborers? Where, where's my church? <laughs> where, where's my people? And if we get the people involved, we will see many people, many more people come to know Jesus. Just have to know, as we celebrate Faith, Love, Hope, uh, last year, which is just out of COVID, through our City Point locations around the world, we saw over 2,000 people get saved and come to Jesus. So over 2,000 have just come out of COVID and that's just gonna keep going up. All right, so uh, if we get people involved, we're gonna see many people come to know Jesus. And so that's, and you know that as well as I, it is the best thing. Uh, be proud to be a Christian, you know. Uh, Pride Week's not just for one group. <laughs> I could go on forever right now. I could just go on and on and on about rainbows being in the Bible. Anyway, we'll let it go. Um, uh, so there's this context of that, that if we can be like stand up and be declaring, you know what, yeah, uh, I mean, you go to church, like, well, you don't. I mean, that sort of concept's got to be sort of the stature of our soul, not to be hidden. Oh, yeah, I do. No, no, no. We have the answer to humankind. There's no, I've, I've tried, I've looked at everything else man has come up with and nothing can do it. Jesus Christ is our only answer. Not politics, not education, not science, not technology. As good as they all are, Jesus is our only answer. To be or not to be, that is the question. And really it should be no question about it. Let's see what Scripture says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. <coughs> For we are His workmanship. Does, any, does anybody else love that part of the Scripture? Is it just me? I have my whole identity based on that Scripture. My whole identity. I, I, I don't have self-confidence. I have God confidence. He said, man, I am His workmanship. He created me. Like, no, I am not perfect and you're not perfect, but you are created in the design God wanted to design you in. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and then we're created in Christ. For what? Good works. Not for no works. Not for evil works, we're created for good works. So the reason you and I exist is not to take up space or suck in oxygen, it's to bring good and God to our generation. We're designed for good works. 
to bring good and God to our generation. And look, He prepared them before, before we were born that we should, when we're born and grow up and get saved, that we would walk in them. It is not a spectator sport being a Christian. You're in the team. <laughs> you're, you're on the team. As soon as you said, Jesus, save me, you're on the team. You're in. You're on. To be or not to be, that is the question. Uh, the book of Titus, who's read that recently? Yeah, no one. All right, chapter 2. Verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself, listen to this, his own special people, what? Zealous for good works. Not, oh, do I have to? <laughs> do I, have I got to do, do I have to do that if I'm a Christian? No, it says you should be zealous for good works. Not that we have to do them, but we're zealous because of our salvation. We see who He is, what He can bring to the table. So we get zealous to help the plan of God reach the generation that we live in. I mean, the saddest thing for believers is they lose the fire of Jesus in their heart. Do you know, do you know what religion is? Religion is not the church down the road with the stained glass windows. Religion is what good Christians do when they lose their fire for Jesus. Good people. They, 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 they still know what to do. They go through the motions, but they don't have the zeal. And I want to tell you, going through the motions makes you withdrawal on your soul. If you have passion and zeal, it actually fires you stronger into the future. But He's created to sell us for not no works, but for good works. Well, how do I get involved, Mark? What should I need to do? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. We'll hurry it up a little bit here. 2 Corinthians. I spoke about this last week. Now God, that's the capital H, He, supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. May He supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God supplies seed to sow and bread to eat. Everything, not just finances, everything God has given us has a bread component and a seed component. That's the plan of God, all right? The bread component is for us. It's how we do life. It's how we get by. It's how we move, how we do our job. The seed component was always given to be sown, not to be eaten. You eat bread, you don't eat seed, unless you're a budgie or a finch. We don't eat seed. What do we do with seed? We sow seed so we can have more bread. Right, that's how it works. So when everything has seed component and bread component, the mistake is to eat your bread and also eat your seed. All right, but God gives us seed because it's not ours. It's needed to be sown to help somebody else out because nothing in God is just about me or just about you. All right, so this is how God does it. So bread component is for you and needs. The seed component is sown for others and advance the kingdom, not for us. Yet even in that, God blesses our sowing so we don't run out of seed. God blesses our sowing and we don't run out of seed and He blesses our bread as well. All right, how do we get involved? Number, we give our time. Uh, I, I want you to be aware that you don't own time. You get a lend of it. 
It can be taken away from you at any moment. We don't actually own time at all. We get to use time, but it's not ours. But God gives us time and time has a bread component and a seed component. The bread component is for your family, your job, what you love doing, your sports, your kids, your school, all those things. But the seed component is to be sown for kingdom purposes. There are a part of your world should be given to God in time. There's a portion of our time needs to be devoted to other kingdom purposes. And my issue, or not issue, it's probably not the world, but my discussion with people is they all feel they're too busy. And uh, I, I, most people I speak to that think they're too busy have just got their world out of control. They just got no order around their life. And so it seems like, and there are seasons. I, I know when we started our first church, we had three children under three. Um, and we started a church and it was, it was, it was crazy time. And I had a job working full time. I was running the church after my job, doing all those things. So I understand that we get busy seasons, but even in the busy, what you, the reason we call it seed is because if you sow it, you get more back. If you sow love, you get more love back. If you need more time, guess what you need to do? Sow some time. Sow your time to kingdom purpose, just like giving, just like everything else. God will bless that time and give you more back. And uh, so we do, business is not, the, I remember speaking to one person and said, I can't be involved, Pastor Mark, I'm so busy and everything. So I sat down and after a big discussion, I said, you know what? I worked out that um, if you reduced your social media, TV and computer games by 20 hours, you'd have plenty of time every week. Some of the reasons we're so busy is we put wrong effort into wrong time, into wrong things. And then we miss out on the important things. So we need to manage our world. If you don't manage your time, you'll manage a time crisis. You don't manage your marriage, you'll manage a marriage crisis. You don't manage your money, you will manage a money crisis. So decide to manage the right things. All right. So let's spend time telling and inviting, all right? God's not after all your time. He just wants you to be involved somewhere, somehow in kingdom purpose. Second thing, he says you get involved by using your gifts and talents. As I look across this room, we're all incredibly different. And this is a God design. Uh, I think your greatest gift to the kingdom of God is not your sameness. It's your difference. God designed you as a team. You don't want a team with 40 quarterbacks. You couldn't afford that anyway. But anyway, the point is, you need a team that have got different gift sets, different potential, different possibilities. You can do different things. And that's why God designed us all so differently, so we could bring our part to the table. And, we've all, and some people are like, some people are up front, so they get a bit more accolades. But I want to tell you, that doesn't impress the kingdom of God. I mean, heaven itself, because uh, you're a senior pastor. It doesn't say, well done, good and faithful senior pastor. It doesn't even say, well done, good and faithful worship pastor in the skinny jeans. It never even said that. <laughs> oh, it's your son. All right. Yeah, God. Yeah. It doesn't say that. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, and servant means you're actually doing something, doesn't it? <laughs> you can't be a servant if you're not doing something. Uh, and you've got gifts and talents. And there's a bread portion we make a living with. It's how we get alive. But there's a seed portion that your gifts and talents, part of it should be brought to God. And some people have a lot of gifts and talents. I know life's not fair. Like, honestly, some people, like, I've got to be honest, Pastor Aaron makes me sick. 
He can preach like no one. He gets up with his long hair and his guitar and singing and worshiping like the best on the planet. It's pathetic, honestly. <laughs> and I get stuck with one little gift. So life's not fair and there's always people that have got, you, please never compare yourself to somebody else. They're not running in your lane. Be happy with the lot you've got. Man, I don't want to tell you, your gift set, there is somewhere in the kingdom of God that God wants to use you. Man, it'd be up the back there running that booth with all those buttons in it because you're a tech person. Man, I wouldn't even go in there in case I press the wrong button and this, this is actually a spaceship and I lifted it. I don't know, just I wouldn't go in there. You know, the people that can sing, I can't sing a note. I don't know how my daughter sings and my son. I mean, they all go, man, I've, I can't sing. I can't even clap in time. I have to watch people. I keep telling people, I'm not bound by music. I've been set free. <laughs> free, man. And like some of you, man, there's a spot for you. Some of you are Mr. Friendly at the door. I'm, you know, when I got saved, I was a brand new Christian. I'm a lousy spectator. I got saved. I'm in church three weeks and think I've got to do something. I can't just come to church. I come, but I came all the time, three days on a Sunday, did it all. But I just can't sit there the whole time. I've got to do something. And the pastor said, well, you had been here. You had been saved a few weeks. You can't do much. And I said, well, I can greet people at the door. He said, yeah, good point. All right. And um, so he put me on the door, and I used to love that. Loved it. Uh, it was my mission every Sunday morning. I'd stand on that door, and I'd make sure that every person I met, before they got past me, they were happy about life and ready to worship the King. <coughs> that, that was my whole goal every Sunday. I'm seeing people walk in and they've had a bad week, you can tell. And, you know, I remember one time this couple come in and they had a, they had a fight in the car, you can tell. They're trying to be all holy and Christian-like, but they had a fight in the car. <laughs> and uh, they got to me and I'm thinking, I'm going to get these people ready for church. And I started talking to them and by the time they left me, they were excited and happy. And, and it was really important that I did that because they were the pastors. So it really needed to be important. <laughs> that I got them ready for church. <laughs> some of you got musical abilities, some are good at running life groups, some got organizations, organizational skills, some can do cameras and lights and sound. You might think it's all done. No, it's not all done. There is room for you in the kingdom of God to outwork the gift and talent God designed you for before you were born. Don't be consumed about what you can't do. Bring to the table what God's called you that you can do, all right? Use it for His glory, it's seed. That is to be given away, sown for people, all right? People's lives will be changed for good and for God. And the last thing today is obviously we, we around faith, love and hope. Next week, you need to put on your, your big generosity boots and uh, go that extra mile next week. And you get involved by giving your treasure. And again, we are blessed. And uh, I, I believe there is blessing. for God. God's way of blessing is through sowing and reaping, okay? And uh, it's just amazing how it works over and over again. Um, your bread portion, that means God doesn't want all your money. He didn't say, hey, the whole paycheck. Yeah. He didn't say that. He said, no, the bread's for you. All I want is your seed. Your 10%, your offering above that. He didn't say, I want you to go broke over this. He knows that, that, that prosperity has worked two ways, generosity and stewardship. You need both of them to see prosperity in your life. Generosity and stewardship, one without the other, does not work effectively. But effectively, if you're stewarding and managing your money well, then you're able to sow well. God will bless your sowing. We read that earlier on, that He will bless the seed that you sow. So God's calling us to bless others with our seed. Don't eat your seed. 
You're not a budgie. Don't eat your seed. Trust God in this. God doesn't want your bread and He wants you to sow your seed. Without your generosity, we can't help move forward. I'm looking again at the church and that family there who went through that terrible addiction and, and end up in a place of suicide. And, and then somehow God got involved through prayer and people around Him and then the church got around Him. And this is the reason we bring hope to the people out there that are hurting. That's what the church is about. That's what God's all about. And our generosity helps keep that going forward. Look, we're packed this morning. No, no seats left. We've got to get into a new building. There are thousands of people waiting to come to this church. They just can't get in yet. People are waiting in the spirit world. You're nothing about it. But if we do our bit, hey, the question today is to be or not to be. I think it's a pretty, pretty easy one to answer. Let's be today. Let's be involved in kingdom purposes. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this great church. I thank You for the place it's at, the position it's ready to move into its future. I pray for greatness of every person here today. I pray for businesses and God, workplaces and families. God, for schools and colleges and hospitals and God, medical centers. God, wherever they work today, God, that You'd have favour and blessing be upon them. Let them shine brightly to the people around them. Not crazy, but bright enough to see there's something different about our lives and we know who He is in us. We thank You that Jesus is the answer today. Bless these people. Bless this church in Jesus' mighty Name. And all that agreed said, Amen and Amen.